from the Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, want to let you know we have a number of people going to have on today. And before we get started, I want to thank uh, the Sound Transit, uh, Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, uh, the uh, City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Department, and SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They have uh, the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar on uh, Concourse A out of SeaTac. So if you are traveling, make sure you stop by and yell at Jerry Whitsitt and Rod O'Neill. Let them know. Uh, we have uh, Elton Mason on, and Elton uh, has been in business for a number of years. As a matter of fact, his late father, J.D. Mason, was, I think, the founder and president of the Independent Black Truckers and Excavators. That's when you saw a lot of Black folks, uh, Black men primarily, a couple of women driving down the street in dump trucks. And we know that uh, there's been a lot of money appropriated. Uh, the $1.75 trillion uh, in Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act money uh, where the president of the United States, uh, Joe Biden, said that 15% would become the minorities. Well, he's talking about everybody but Washington State. That does not seem to be the case here. And uh, we have been joined by uh, Bob Armstead, who is the president of the Washington State chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. And uh, welcome to the program, Bob Elton is on. Uh, I just uh, texted uh, our national president, Wendell Stemley, uh, the phone number, he's at the airport ready to make a trip. But I know if he's leaving from Los Angeles, he's going to be real late because when it rains in, in Southern California, the water don't have anywhere to go. As a matter of fact, my son Brian sent me a picture of Sepulveda and looked like the water was up to their bumpers. So they're not accustomed to driving in the water anyway. It's a national holiday in Southern California when it rains. So Bob, I want to go to you first before we go to Elton. Uh, I just mentioned the fact that uh, uh, okay, Wendell's on the line with us now. Uh, Wendell Stanley. Yes, sir. Okay, we got Elton and Bob on right now. I know you got to catch a flight. Uh, you've right. seen a lot of the information that we have transmitted primarily about Elton's experience with the so-called outreach session to comply with federal regulations, call them together. And uh, this time they called 10 black truckers, a couple of others together. And the contract they thought they were going to talk about had already been awarded. What he put out for public bid so I would like to know from Wendell Stemley, the president of the National Association of Minority Contractors, you and our Washington State chapter, President Bob Armstead, wrote a letter in October again to uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland. And uh, when we first filed a report, uh, Bob Armstead put together with 22 African-Americans, clergy, business owners, uh, a lot of different folks, NAACP, uh, all these folks. And they told us that, uh, that uh, they would refer our complaint to the Department of Transportation. When in over two years, we've not heard from the Department of Transportation. I think in 2022, I had a chance to go nose to nose with the Secretary Pete Buttigieg as he was leaving then chair of the Congressional Black Caucus's reception, uh, Joyce Beatty. So uh, he said he was, he had somebody that said they were going to get on it, but the brother was looking down at the ground while his boss was talking. And you know what kind of signal that sends. I can't look up when the boss is talking. So that means that wasn't going anywhere. So Wendell, why don't you set with, uh, let our listeners know exactly what we're dealing with in Washington State. And are all the states as bad as Washington State when it comes down to uh, contracting with African-Americans and black truckers? No, I would say that uh, Washington State has a history of bipartisan noncompliance. Uh, 
you only need to look at the track record over the uh, numerous number of years and the numerous of hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been paid for disparity studies to show that they don't have a problem with proving the data. They have a problem of implementing uh, compliance uh, to the federal uh, programs and the federal mandates, almost like a disregard for the uh, federal requirements or mandates. You have to look at this thing where the government gives out money like grants, and the grantees, people would want the money, say that they're going to do all these great things if you give me the money and we got a community benefit plan and we're going to include everybody. And then when they get the money, uh, they don't comply with what they presented, and thus you fall right back into the, the, the same uh, lane. I would say probably west of the Mississippi. Uh, ironically, some of the southern states at least have an attitude about participating with truckers because it's low-hanging fruit. They may not give you a contract to rebuild the freeway, but I haven't seen a lot of cases where they won't even allow participation in uh, trucking aspect. That's that's kind of uh, a unique exclusionary principle that somehow Washington fell into. Give us an example of, uh, of what state is doing the right thing and a black where black truckers are actually working. Well, I put it, I say it this way: fifty percent of all the states are non-compliant, so we got to start there, right? They're not complying with their agreement with the federal government for the money that they're they're given or borrowed. But our corporate leadership, I'll give you an example. We'll take like Florida. Corporate leadership in Florida, when Walt Disney was hit with the anti-diversity and inclusion initiative, uh, they moved some of their shipping and receiving out of Orlando over to Jacksonville so they could have diversity and inclusion in uh, goods and services needed at the theme park uh, because they just were committed. I don't know in Washington State if you have that type of corporate engagement, less more your federal government compliance, uh, you know. So you need both. You need compliance at the federal government, a commitment by the agencies that represent the federal government like WASDOT, and then you need corporate partners uh, like your major corporations that say, we're going to figure this out and do the best we can, uh, irregardless, at, at all levels. So give us a state that's doing good with black truckers and black contractors. Uh, well, no state has more minority participation than New York. New York is, you know, they have the... Uh, ideal uh, levels of participation, even when they aren't at a goal, they set the goal so high, 28, 30%, to where they're going to have probably more levels of participation than probably any state in the union. Then you can go right across the bridge to New Jersey, and New Jersey is non-compliant in a whole lot of uh, non-participation 
uh, goals and objectives. So that says that the government, the governor, the leadership, the uh, congressional folks in New Jersey are, to me, maybe similar to uh, what you guys are experiencing in Washington State. Well, you know, in Washington State, when this complaint that Bob put together was filed with 22 uh, uh, complainants on there, all had to sign affidavits to go with the complaint. Uh, you know, uh, there was just no one responded. We still haven't had a response, but uh, you, we had a conversation earlier and uh, you were saying that uh, black tr truckers and black contractors are doing well in Florida? Oh, they're doing, I, yeah, I think they're doing well in Florida compared to what I'm hearing going on in, it's all relative. Compared to Washington, they're doing, doing well. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're doing well uh, nationally or where they should be, but they show doing a lot better than in Washington State. For an example, Washington State spends nearly a half a billion dollars on uh, federal participation-based contracts. 62% of every dollar Washington State spends on its DBE program goes to a white female-owned company, right? In Florida, they may spend a billion dollars, and white females are doing about 28 to 30%. So they are spreading the wealth 50% better than Washington State is. I talked to the Secretary of Transportation of the state of Louisiana, one of the most non-diverse states in the country, and they were able to increase their participation in the DBE program by asking for uh, minority women on, women uh, truckers, and they went from not having any to having 20, found magically 22 minority female trucking companies. So sometimes the governor and the secretary of transportation of that state just need to be proactive and be willing to, you know, ask the tough questions of the people that are administering and getting the contract. And the numbers will improve, but if they stay with the status quo, and really don't take it seriously and really have no solution, then you end up on radio shows like this, having the same conversation. What do you think uh, the NAMC, National Association of Minority Contractors, and the complainants of, in Washington State, uh, another letter went to Mary Garland. Uh, all 58 members of the Congressional Black Caucus were CC. I've had some conversations with Congressman Benny Thompson, Emmanuel Cleaver, and I'm waiting to get on with Congresswoman Maxine Waters later. But you think that uh, the complaint that was filed that Bob uh, uh, was the architect of had the support of Adam Smith, ninth district congressman. He was chair of the House Armed Services Committee when he sent a letter to Merrick Garland supporting our complaint. Then you had a letter from uh, Benny Thompson that included uh, the OMWBE's report showing where blacks have received 0.18%, their numbers, not ours. Then you had another letter from Senator Patty Murray, the second ranking senator in the U.S. Senate. And then in March of this year, you had a letter from Marilyn Strickland, the whip of the CBC. 
I would think any other group with that kind of political clout would have at least a hearing. But uh, Merrick Garland pretty much, I have to tell you the truth, just pretty much gave us the finger. And that's how I feel about it. Now, I'm also making an attempt to talk to Vice President Kamala Harris to see, because she has been Attorney General for California. She knows law inside out. And uh, the, the numbers are disgusting. People are hurting. And uh, there's no, no effort. That's why there's such lackluster support for the Biden administration right now in some communities, because Mary Garland don't give a D about black folks. That's all it is to it. I've come to, he got Kristen Clark who writes the letters. Well, we sent this over to the Department. You sent it to the Department of Transportation over two years ago. We have not heard one word from the Department of Transportation. Um, Elton Mason, have you heard anything from the Department of Transportation? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I know that uh, you have to get on a plane in a minute, brother. So we want to get as much time as we can with you, Wendell uh, Stemley, who is the president of the National Association of Minority Contractors. He and our Washington State uh, chapter president, Bob Armstead, did a letter in October to Mary Garland once again, even with the CC to all the members of the Congressional Black Caucus and uh, Christine uh, Clark's letter back. We are sending it to the Department of Transportation, who we had not heard from over two years. So uh, what do you think our next step should be, Mr. President? Well, well, I think the main problem you got is the governor of the state of Washington got to get somebody in that office as the director of the Washington DOT that really takes their job with a lot of passion. You know, uh, if Louisiana can do better, (laughs) if the director of the Department of Transportation even in Florida, will take on his own governor to say, well, we are going to adhere to, try to adhere to the law of inclusion. Uh, I just don't understand how a state as liberal, as respected around the country for its uh, diversity can allow you know, 10 and 15 years of non-compliance to go forward. I mean, even Mississippi is doing better. They're not doing great. They're not complying yet, but at least when you talk to them, they have an attempt to do better. We've been having the same conversation about Washington State, and to be honest, there doesn't seem to be a lot of change. Right, and, you know, the sad thing is that black businesses are doing horrible in Martin Luther King Jr. County. That's, that's, a, tra- that's a travesty, it really is. Uh, the drum major for justice, the drum major for peace in the county name for him. And it was him, it was by his efforts that we even got the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65. They're all under attack right now. And I'm not gonna let people forget. Uh, they said, well, you blacks just want prefer- no, preferential treatment by behind. 246 years of slavery, dying in every war, in segregated units, in World War II, liberating uh, Jews from concentration camps, coming back to discrimination, redlining, and humiliation. And we are talking about preferential treatment. Ain't nothing preferential about that. Uh, Black folks being lynched uh, as a a social gathering, bring the whole family with a picnic basket. And uh, when we did succeed after the the, uh, Civil War, 
one president could turn loose the Ku Klux Klan, run, burn black people's houses down, take their land. And then uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was able to get uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson to do something to help uplift black folks. The Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act was spearheaded by black folks for black folks because all the laws against us were for black folks, not anybody else. We need to understand that. It wasn't no BIPOC, it was black POC, okay? So we need to understand that. And then we come right back and we have 10 years of the Great Society programs. Ronald Reagan comes in and, and eliminates the funding for the programs and primarily the manpower training programs where it was getting black people into the middle-class sector of society. And so we got a lot of racism to deal with in this country, not only just for white folks either. I'm just saying that right now. We got we have Ed Bloom, who is uh, uh, filing suits against all the colleges about letting black folks in unless they play football or basketball. You have that racist uh, uh, Stephen Miller was it with uh, with uh, the uh, uh, Trump administration who wouldn't have been invited to Charlottesville doing a make America make America white and great again, and that's his and they're gonna remind him that he's a Jew one day. Okay, so I'm just saying some of the people who grandparents and great-grandparents of black troops saved in concentration camps and now turning their venom on black folks to deny us opportunities. A sad commentary, but it's the truth. Some people don't want to hear, man, you shouldn't say that. I am saying it because it's the truth. And the truth will set you free. And people owe black folks in this country. We have done too much to be talking about we're getting preferential treatment. Preferential treatment by behind that what we did, we earned. We should be a set-aside program for black folks in business. There should be a set-aside program at colleges, universities, for non-athletes, for students, uh, because of the fact we paid our dues to America. As a matter of fact, we continue to be the most patriotic of Americans of, of any other group. We have black folks all around the world protecting someone else's freedom, including the Mediterranean Sea, off the Taiwan, the South China Sea, in England and Japan. They're everywhere. South Korea defending everybody's freedom, but their people don't even have, have a, their people's right to vote is being challenged. Their people's right to participate in the economy is being denied. So, I mean, how much more can we do? Well, I, I hear you. All right, Bob, you uh, you got it from here? Uh, I, I'm here, Wendell, and you've said some very true, very powerful things. Uh, you said them in a very polite way, so I hope people understand that you were being very polite and very respectful in the things that you said. Uh, other people might not be uh, as polite and respectful, but the message is the same. Uh, you have governors that you deal with in states that are reputed to be non-inclusive that happens to consistently outperform the state of Washington. We have representatives in Washington state that are out fighting for the rights of people in other states when their citizens, the people who help elect them are having difficulties in Washington state and they're reluctant uh, to do anything. Uh, the numbers are, are northeast region because Oregon kind of more image Washington State than California. So it's it's something going on in the northeast region, and you guys know that region of the country better than I do. 
That's the same yeah. thing Congressman Benny Thompson said. You mean all the way up there in the Northwest? You're not in Mississippi? I said, Congressman, unfortunately, <laughs> the black folks in Mississippi are doing better than the black folks in Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in in Oregon, excuse me, in Oregon, they have ne they have never had to deal with an anti-affirmative action initiative. Uh, so that is one of the reasons that they are not having as many challenges as we do. Also, you know, from our national board meetings and other things, the uh, senators and other representatives from Oregon State always participate in our conferences. Uh, they come and speak uh, at our events. They participate in breakfasts and other things. They have better relationships with their uh, elected national congregation than, than we do here in Washington State because they have more interest. And that interest comes from the top elected officials in Oregon. Bob, before I get off, let me ask you a quick question. Do you guys have a strong corporate support base? I mean, because most of the states that do well, Florida, you got Walt Disney. So when the state isn't doing something, Disney's doing at least what they can do to keep their corporate relationship going with other corporations uh i know in new york they have you know very large companies the microsoft and uh does washington state have a big corporate because those should be the folks leading the diversity and inclusion and maybe they could get the agencies to be better and do better uh, they're also the ones that support the top elected officials. They need them to get elected. But the direct answer to your question is no. We have a facade in that area like we do in every other area in Washington State. The Washington Roundtable uh, commissioned a study by Boston Consulting that exclusively demonstrated to them and everyone else in Washington State what the problem is in Washington State. The Roundtable and others supposedly committed $2 billion two years ago uh, to doing things to, uh, to help rectify the situation. We have not had a report from them since then. Eddie and I have made numerous attempts to contact them and work with them. Uh, those contacts were not acknowledged or responded back to. So the answer to your question about corporate uh, sponsorship and participation, the answer is no. So what you guys have, Boeing and other companies like that? Uh, we have Amazon, we have Microsoft. I mean, you can just go down the list. We have some very large, uh, Google corporations here in this area. They mm -hmm. are active in some areas. They are not active in, in contracting and specifically in the area of construction contracting. Well, well I would say, I would suggest that you guys get a meeting with those firms or at least requests because they're trucking 
their build-outs of new construction and goods and services all through the state and all through the nation. So if they can be an integral part of the economy in New York City, there's no reason they can't be an integral part of the economy in Washington State. Yeah, and the, the answer, a part of the answer to that, window is that the top elected officials in New York ensures that they are in those states. We do not have that type of uh, sponsorship and cooperation here in Washington State. Before Wendell go, Bob, I'd like to have what I'm Elton. Meet with the governor. <laughs> hey, Wendell, I want you to hear this. I think I sent you a copy of the email. Elton, why don't you take about five minutes and let them know when you went to the outreach session for a contract that wasn't public put out for public bid. And you guys were there at the sh went, uh, window dress. Go right ahead. Yeah, I've got a lot more than that to say, but uh, pretty pretty much the um, the uh, the prime contractor that has this uh, this uh, this Wazdot project here in Kirkland Washington is uh, it's a pretty project. Um, they had basically created false hope um, in the neighborhood. Um, um, they used a, a consulting firm, um, uh, they're basically people of color that they've used and had specifically in the room taking pictures um, throughout the the uh, the outreach meeting and whatnot. I mean, and basically told us that that uh, actually tried to keep the information from us. Uh, uh, with with the firms that they've already contracted with, which were fraudulent minority-owned, you know, firm businesses and small businesses, and basically, man, they had a bunch of people of color in the room and and offered maybe just, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, we only need one truck, so to speak, you know, for for for. <laughs> what, what was the, what was the dump, what was the dump truck and contract worth? Um. I want to say it was an on-call deal, and there was no promises whatsoever. Basically, th this this general contractor turned around and checked the box with the state of Washington, stating that they did their good faith efforts to reach out to the community um, for inclusion. But the contract you guys were meeting on, you thought was eleven million dollar contract. Well, uh, more than eleven million, and that would have been a small piece of the pie for that project. You know, um, that involves WASDOT, it involves Sound Transit, it, it involves, you know, I believe Sound Transit, but it's a it's it's a part of a, a project that's in the millions. That's in the millions. And uh, it's just, it's like I said, it's unfortunate. When uh, you went to the meeting, why, why, did, why did you guys think you were going, what we were going to meet about? Well, I mean, potential work, um, a contract, inclusion, working in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, that's what we thought that uh, we were going there for until basically they, I walked out of the meeting. I was so upset. I, I was humiliated because they had yeah. us. It, it was just an outrage. It was. Yeah. El Elton, if I buy it, Wendell has to go in a minute. Uh, sure. Wendell, what happened is there was an outreach announcement for minority truckers and others to come into a meeting about trucking contract. The bottom line is the contract had already been awarded before the meeting was set. And it's a hundreds of millions of dollar project. It's a huge project. 
there could be a lot of opportunities on it, but the contract was given to one contractor and that contractor happens to be the owner of a company that got contracts initially because they fraudulently got certified as a DBE firm. Well, what does the Secretary of Transportation for the state of Washington say about any of this? That's a long story. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the direct answer is nothing to make a change. Uh, the indirect answer is it says a lot, but nothing happens. Okay. Elton, were, were there any uh, washed-out officials at that uh, meeting that you guys had called in on the contract was already awarded? Oh yeah, there was. Oh yeah, there were people from washed-out there, and there was people that were consultants as well um, that are subbed out from WASDOT. And, um, so the governor I, chooses not to have any authority over his own secretary. Oh, he does. The problem starts with the governor. If the, gov if the governor decided today, this minute, that there was going to be a difference, there would be a difference. And he won't even meet with you guys. Yeah, he has in the last two years. Well, you, you know, Wendell, back in 2012, when I filed my report, my complaint to the FHWA and DOT, they had told me, they sat on my complaint for a year, a year and a half. They sat on the complaint and said that, hey, they thought that this was a joke, that, you know, Washington State was out of compliance of the DBE program because Washington State was getting hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, and so they said that they, they, hey, Elton, we apologize. We really do profusely. We apologize because when when we read your complaint and we came up to Washington State to do an interview between these prime contractors, WASDOT and all, when we flew back to D.C., we actually were dumbfounded. We didn't know what to do because it was nine times worse as your complaint. That's why they sat on it for a year and a half. And I told him, I said, well, you know what? What you're supposed to do is stop the funding. You're supposed to stop the funding from coming to Washington State until and make a deal with Washington State. Give them 5%, give them 2% of some federal funding, and they get more and more and more as they come compliant with this DBE program. They never did. They actually threw us back to the wolves. They actually had well, one I'm going to ask you guys a bipartisan question. Enough to allow his FHWA director and his uh, uh, head of the DBE to enact a federal law as it pertains to trucking contracts. What in the world could the governor of Washington be thinking that that is something that he does not have to at least meet with his staff and to and mandate that they at least try to comply with the federal uh, law? Look, gentlemen, we're out of time. My next guest is lined up. But, Bob, I'm going to suggest okay. with you and Alton that we request a meeting with Governor Jay Inslee about this issue. Okay, okay. Guys, take care. Wendell, have safe travels. Bob, I'll be in touch with you, and I'll call you later, Elton. So okay. we take a quick break and come back with Sade Moore, the 
chair of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. The glad, glad Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be happy, happy, once again. Yeah, when you hear that tune, it's officially Christmas time in the hood. But uh, my next guest is Sade Moore, who is uh, the chair of the Seattle, I put King County, because we're in King County, Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. And when she took over the reins of the leadership of the organization, she and others, I uh, will give others credit to implemented an intern program uh, that's been going on for a few years now. And I like to have uh, the interns come on uh, if they're doing stuff in the name of Dr. King and they're being uh, uh, tutored by Sade Moore. So I want to make sure that they get the notoriety that's due. Kobe has joined us. Hey, Kobe, how you doing? He's still on mute. I see he's waving. Okay, that's cool. So anyway, at this juncture, uh, Shadi, I also want you to give a, yellow, a shout out to the other MLK uh, members who have been working with you with the interns as well, if you could. Absolutely. Um, so oh, we'll get... so old. I got to stop. Go ahead. Shadi is also CEO of the McKinney Center. The official name is the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. And she was one of the lead lobbyists in 2019 to get House Bill 1918, sponsored by Sharon Tomiko Santos, to establish that and bring the facility back to the community. So I'll go right ahead now, Sade. Thank you for that introduction, Eddie. Uh, so happy Thursday. Uh, we're gearing up towards the holiday season. Um, the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition has been doing a lot of work over the course of this month alone. Um, our interns who uh, will speak shortly about their program that will happen on the 14th of January, which is the Sunday before the big event, 
um, we'll give the community some details regarding what our young people and our families can look forward to for that event on Sunday, how to be involved, how to register. Um, and they will also talk about the flyer that they are creating for the community that will be um, listed on their socials. It'll be on our Facebook as well as their Instagram account. Um, but a little bit about the event. Um, we are what less than way less than 30 days away. Um, we have uh, quite a few things that are lined up for community on the day of the event on King Day, the 15th. We have our um, youth event again taking place on Sunday. Um, we have a community dialogue that will be happening on the 11th uh, of January at 5:30 at the um, Washington Hall. Um, and it will be on the Black Prisoners Caucus. It's going to be the women's chapter. We have our amazing opportunity fair that's going to be happening on the 15th from 8.30 to 11.30 uh, with the job fair uh, as well as a resume review, which will be at Garfield in the Commons. Um, if you don't know what the Commons are, uh, it's pretty much the cafeteria or the, or the auditorium that's right next to the main office. So as soon as you walk up the stairs, uh, you pass the main office and we'll have some tabling there as well as the opportunity fair. We have online workshops January 9th through the, through the 12th, which will be online. Um, and then on the 15th, we're going to be having workshops at the building starting at 915. Um, and we'll be able to confirm where those locations will be for those workshops. You can also go to our website at seattlemlkcoalition.org. And you can click on the events tab um, and you can click on any of the uh, various events that we have on the day. Um, and we'll, we'll give you more information. Our rally will start at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium, um, and then our march will um, be at, well, I'm sorry, we'll start at 1230, um, and we will start right at the parking lot um, at Garfield, um, and we'll march on to our in rally, our downtown rally, which we will have another program, and uh, again, we'll share the details of who has been selected to speak, um, as well as provide entertainment on the day of those events, so we have a lot coming up. Um, we are also gearing up uh, towards uh, holiday closure for our fiscal sponsor, the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, who is closing their offices. Um, so we're just paying bills. We're finalizing the program, which we'll have ready for approval next week at our meeting on the 27th. You can find those details on our website as well. We ask for anybody that is interested in joining or volunteering to drop in and listen to the planning that we're doing. Um, we'll be closing out the planning for this year soon. And then we'll be gearing up towards the planning for our 42nd event, which will be held in 2025. So this is the fifth year that we are hosting interns. Um, Kobe, um, this is his second year. He came in last year. He is a junior at O'Day. Um, and Ms. Ghana, um, I believe Ms. Ghana, you're a junior as well, correct? Yeah. And do you want to tell everybody where you go to school? So I go to school in Shoreline. I go to Shorewood High School, and I'm a junior there. So I've been there three years now. Yes, and this is Ms. Ghana's first year interning for the coalition. Um, and just looking forward to the work that they're doing. Um, all of our interns have been extremely amazing. This is a paid internship program. We received a grant for this internship program. Um, and we are just gearing up to create a whole new program starting next year. So you'll see more from us. I want to give a quick shout out to Nia Brown. Uh, Nia Brown um, has been supporting us uh, on the coalition, has been leading the internship committee um, this year, uh, previously led by Bobby Alexander. 
um, and this program was started by Bobby Alexander um, with co-collaboration from myself. So um, we're, this is just amazing to see that this program is still moving along and to see the interest from um, all of the many students um, with the support of administration and staff from our public school systems, as well as our private school systems um, and teams in order to keep this going forward. So I'll stop there, Eddie. I'm going to hand it back off to you. We'd we'll love to see if you have any questions and then we can allow our interns to speak. I got one of the interns on the line right now. So why don't you go ahead and, and let uh, Kobe or, or Ms. Kilfon go next? Awesome. Kobe, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the work that our community, as well as our young people, can expect from your program. And then, Ms. Ghana, please fill in any gaps. We'll love to hear about your experience. This is your first year. I want to know what you all are looking forward to for this program. Um, and again, what can anybody expect? Okay, so um, our event is a youth talent and development event. Um, you're going to be able to expect a lot of things surrounded around that uh, theme. Um, we're going to start with uh, speakers in the front, or it doesn't really matter where they are, but we're going to have speakers, uh, performances, um, food, which still is to be decided. All those things are still to be decided what exactly the specifics of that will be. But um, that's going to be the main thing. We're also going to have a uh, youth entrepreneur black market happening as well. So if you want to RSVP for that, you'll be able to once we get the flyers out and the different social media um, outlets going. So. You can expect a lot of different things like that. Hopefully a few good organizations that you can connect with if you go to that event. So it's going to be good for the youth and all the family of those kids there as well. So um, if you're able to tune in or go to that event, then I'd really appreciate it. Or we'd all appreciate it. And then Ms. Ghana, if you want to talk about your experiences or what you expect. Um, so far, I really enjoyed my internship. I like that it's youth-centered and that we're being allowed to create a youth event by youth for youth. And I think that's really important because it shows that age doesn't define what you can do. And we're being taught really important skills like leadership and management. So I really enjoyed that. Awesome. And, you know, I want to mention, too, something that's very important for our community to be aware of is this is the first time our interns have held or are holding an in-person event. Um, when this program was created, we were right in the peak of COVID. And we had to ship back and our events took place um, via Rainer Avenue Radio and support from their team. Um, so this is the first time that we are doing an in-person event. And I, I believe the youth is very excited about this opportunity. Um, their event will be held at the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development on 21st and Jackson. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's going to be food. There's going to be the entrepreneurship black market. There's going to be entertainment. There's going to be spoken word. Um, and just asking for everybody to come out, meet our young people, uh, hear about what they're doing, hear about just the impact that they're having in their schools. Um, yeah, looks like Olivia is connecting, I believe with Abigail. And yeah, one's going to be on the phone, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Hi, Olivia. Hi, sorry. That was a whole series of technical difficulties. Oh, well, that's it's, all it's right. totally you, fine. You overcame it. That's, that shows some intelligence right there. We appreciate your commitment. So go right ahead, Ms. Sade. So Olivia, Kobe and Ms. Ghana just talked about their experience. This is your first year. Um, talk about the artwork that you helped to create for the flyer um, and just you know the impact that you hope that this event has on the community and on your peers. Um, well, for the flyer, I was thinking, um, well, with all artwork that I've created and for like the logo design as well, I wanted to make sure it has to relate to like the whole thing. 
I don't want it to just be, I want to have, it want, I want it to be impactful. And I just want it to make sure that, like I'm sending my message, message across. So, you know, using the different colors and graphics to bring our message across. And Olivia, you're a freshman at Cleveland STEM, right? Yeah. So just to be that young in this program, right? This is her first year in high school. She signed up with her sister. Her sister is a junior at Cleveland STEM. And to be able to produce artwork for this event and to be an amazing artist at that um, is truly an amazing thing to see. Um, so Olivia, congratulations to you. Thank you for what you, the work that you put in. Um, these are just four, this is four out of our six interns. Um, we do have two others, um, that could not be here with us today. Um, Olivia, I know you're with your sister daily. Did you want to say a few words on her behalf? Um, yeah, she's a made, she's an amazing, um, writer and she also helps, uh, helps stimulate my ideas with all my artwork and helps contribute as well. Awesome. Thank you for that. Is there anything else that you will all like the community to know um, as we're closing out? Um, one of your favorite parts about um, being a part of this coalition, being an intern again, Kobe, this is your second year. You're, you're our only male, which is also great. And you have uh, amazing leadership experience. So I think the ladies here can appreciate that having somebody that's been around that knows the organization to be a part of the organization again, um, what would you like to see next year, Kobe, as you're going into senior year, Miss Ghana, you're going into senior year. Um, what would you like to see? Any changes you would like to see with the program and um, any feedback that you have just to the organization and to the community? Well, it would have been nice if I could have prepared a better answer, but um, I mean, I feel like you and Nia are doing a really good job uh, when you prepare this internship and just all the things you're having us do. Um, we all have a decent amount of responsibility, but I do think we could probably do more. So I think if you had more things for us to do, that could be um, a potential improvement. However, you guys definitely put together a good program for us. So um, we all appreciate your time and your experience. So, yeah. Kobe sounds like a radio host. Yeah, he uh, he surprised us last year. He was quiet. And then uh, all of a sudden he just started speaking, speaking, speaking. And he got, we got some great candid shots of him. Looked like almost like it was a model type MLK image. He helped at the gymnasium. Um, you know, our young people held up our banner and we're at the front of the March. So Kobe is, is, is a great, uh, is great to have on our team. Um, he's doing amazing work. All of our interns are doing amazing work just to see this program expand. This is our second year that we've had six interns. The first year we had two, then we had four. So it's, it's grown. Um, and with the support of our community, we've been able to pay and get funding for this specific programs, which is amazing. Or y'all can take me to lunch. Or <laughs> Abigail on, on now. Hi, can you guys, can you hear me? I think I, I joined from my phone, so. Yes, we can. Perfect, well, okay. Here. Abigail, did you want to talk a little bit about your experience? Oh, of course. Um, I just have to say that I'm not really, um, a group work type of person. I, I'm very like to myself and I like to get things done on my own, but I feel like with working with the rest of the, um, the group, especially um, my sister um, and just like being able to understand the importance of um, listening to other people's ideas and being honest with um, feedback and things like that. Like I just really enjoy um, being able to like have that opportunity to uh, share ideas with others and move forward. 
with that. So awesome. Great feedback. And I, I think that's this is the first you've ever had siblings. So I like to see how you both are able to um, amplify each other's energy, right? And just the work that you're doing all together for this program. Um, you both hold each other accountable. And I think that's amazing. Um, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how you all do in the new year. I'm looking forward to being at the event um, and see everything that you've been creating come to life. So amazing job by each of you. So we got about we got about three minutes, Chade. So we need to uh, now once again go over the program because the folks didn't hear like the rally, the opportunity fair. That's the other thing too. I want the interns uh, check out the opportunity fair because uh, the United Negro College Fund, the Deltas, right, uh, and a lot of employers will be there. You can get an idea, even though you're not ready to go to work right now. Some of the BSUs, the Black Student Unions. Exactly. Um, you'll have. Um, some other groups from some of the universities and colleges in the area. So make sure you come and support. Again, the rally starts at 11 a.m. on the 15th inside the gymnasium at Garfield High School. And then the march right after, um, an hour and a half later, 1230, right in front of Garfield's, we'll be meeting in the parking lot, exiting the gym, and we'll be um, heading on to complete the march. And then we will have a downtown rally, um, which will be between 45 minutes and an hour. Um, we'll also be giving out food, so we will have a community meal. We're working with Black-owned businesses um, and restaurants in order to supply the food for uh, those meals. I want to give a shout-out to Azels, um, who has been supporting us every year for a very long time. Well, um, they are going to be more, for 41 years. Yes, they are going to be making a significant, um, another impactful, significant donation this year to support the community. Um, so thank you to their business team, Antonia Brown, who is the community engagement manager um, this year. This is her first year. She's working with the Azels team um, and with Lewis Rudd um, just to get that going for us. But uh, Opportunity Fair, again, January 15th, 8.30 to 11.30 um, inside of the Garfield Commons, uh, job fair and resume review. Youth event is on the 14th at 2 p.m. at the McKinney Center. More details to come from our young people. Make sure you are following us on Facebook. You can follow us at the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. Just put that in your search bar. We should come right up. And from that page, you'll be able to see a list of all of our events as well as our flyer. So stay connected, stay in tuned. Um, next year, we will be launching our sixth annual internship program. Um, so six long years. Um, so looking right. forward to. We are out of time. There you go. Friday. Thank you, everyone. But, you know, we'll have something on every week about what's going to be coming up on January 15th, 2024. Thank, thank all you to our young people. All right. Now, thank you, uh, young young leaders. Yes, what you are. You're taking the first step to be a leader. Thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank so you, everyone. Thank you. thank you so much. All right. Now. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank all of you. Oh, yeah. Candles burning low. Lots of mistletoe. Lots of snow and ice. Everywhere we go. Choirs singing carols. Right outside my door. All At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. 
All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. That's what Christmas means to me, my love. Okay, yeah, you know, every now and then you have to give a business owner a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Keith Wong. He owns A Plus North Aurora Body and Paint Inc. And if you're looking for someone to do quality work on an automobile, uh, he's at 1372 Aurora Avenue North. And uh, I need to check him out. And that's. Uh, uh, a plus North Aurora Body and Paint Incorporated. Keith Wong is the owner, and I would I, I have if you have an issue that you need some body work done, uh, that's the guy to go to. Well, I want to thank Seattle's Office of Purchasing and Consulting Services, Sound Transit's uh, Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, SeaTac Bar Group LLC. Want to let everybody know that. Uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service will be hosted by uh, Reverend Terrence Proctor at the church by the side of the road. Also, uh, congratulatory uh, congratulations is in store for uh, Dr. Dwayne Chappelle. The Seattle Preschool Program has received the National Gold Medal for the second straight year. We do have some positive things happening. So, Eric, are you there? So, thanks, Eric. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Without the world. 